The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, Malden. Welcome to 02148 Live. My name is Mike Sharon, and I am your host for this evening. Uh, folks, normally my week that I do this show is the third Wednesday of every month. And uh, as you may notice, tonight is the fourth week. Uh, what's the date today? September 25th. Last week I had a conflict. There was a wonderful uh, Bread of Life fundraiser last week at the Irish American called Just Desserts. And we're here tonight to talk about another one, but uh, that's all in due time. Welcome to the program. Um, so I bumped it to this week, and, and what, who would have guessed? There's a big mayoral debate going on right across the street at the John Christina Markey uh, Senior Center. So we're going head-to-head -head with that. So anyways, welcome to the problem program. We have a great show for you tonight. Not often do you get to bring uh, your own dentist on the program and put them in the hot seat and grill them, but that is my... Uh, a wonderful <laughs> honor tonight. Please welcome uh, Dr. Philip Conti. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Mike. It's good to be here. Uh, I was uh, surprised that uh, <laughs> I, I got a phone call saying, uh, you know, would you like to be interviewed? And uh, I thought it would be nice. I haven't been here for quite a while. Last time, I guess, was for Project Triangle a number of years ago. And, That's right. Uh, so uh, I Let's That's go. Right. And we go way back. Uh, as I alluded to, he is uh, my doctor of many, many years. And, and uh, first of all, congratulations. You were recently um, recognized by the uh, Massachusetts House of Representatives. I know our state rep, uh, Paul Brodeur, yeah. um, gave you a recognition for 55 years continued uh, dentistry service and in the community of Malden. So in, the, in the same address. In the same address. Yeah, I yeah. get. I remember the bills. I get six thirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, congratulations! That's a wonderful well, uh, tribute to you, um, and uh, and and our history, our family's history of, of, of me being patient, but I have older brothers as well. Almost encompasses that entire fifty-five years. Is that yeah. not correct? Yeah, close to fifty, I would say. I, I, your your brother Gary keeps asking me about a couple of patients that I had that I think have been a little longer than That's true. Uh, than Gary, and he keeps asking me every time, is she still alive? That's Because <laughs> he wants to be number he one. He wants to be the longest. <laughs> yeah. Nice guy, that Gary, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but that's really, it's really a wonderful, it's rare, I would think. Is it not? Yeah. Uh, I think there are more and more practitioners that are practicing uh, later in, into the 70s, and I just had a classmate of mine uh, who's two years older than I am and just retired. Uh, the wife had taken ill, and he needed to be home, and it was, he said he felt it was time. So, you know, he just retired as well. Uh, and I'd still enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, right. I would have quit a long time ago. Uh, and it's, uh, it's always been... Uh, a love of mine, uh, dentistry. I've, I had a godmother who was the first and only woman dentist in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, many years ago. She started a practice in 1930 as a female in a male-oriented profession at the height of the Depression. Wow. And it took her maybe seven years before she saw a, a plus on her bank account. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, wow. uh, but she ended up with... In 45 years, probably one of the largest practices in Providence. So I, I did have a mentor in the family, you know, that uh, helped me quite along as far as pointing me to whether I should go to medical school or dental school. And you, you're still, are you, are you full-time? Are you part-time? What's the... I, I've been practicing uh, three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, for about 15 years now. Okay. I had cut back... Um, 
we had an, uh, associates, you know, in the practice. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so then I cut back three days. And I've been doing uh, the three days, as I said, for about 15 years. And there, every now and then, if, if we need some extra time, I might come in on a Monday or a Friday. Uh, sometimes uh, as emergencies arise, they, mm -hmm. they find me on a Saturday or a Sunday. Because Anna Lisa is the one who gets the calls, and she knows where I am every time. That's right. That's, that's my, my go-to. That's my youngest daughter. That's his daughter who went to, uh, I went to high school with, actually she was a year behind me and uh, my brother, she was in my brother Mark's grade, right? Yeah. And so back in uh, Melrose High, go Red Raiders. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so in that 15 years that you, you cut back, so to speak, yeah. did, your, did your golf game get better? My golf game has never gotten better. <laughs> I, I could probably play golf eight days a week <laughs> and find the score going sport. in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, but you still get out there and swing, right? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, yeah. I don't get out as much as I'd like. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, tournaments, uh, best ball tournaments, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. fundraisers, like for Bread of Life. Yeah, you came that to the last. That's right. Yeah, Enjoyed that was the, end the last of July. tournament that I played. Yeah, that was a great day. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. And as a matter of fact, one of the guys that played with me, it's the first time he's played, he, I was on the phone with him the other day, and he said, uh, if you're going to do that again next year, let me know, because I really had a great time that day. Yeah. So you've already got great. two golfers for next year. There you go. There's one foursome <laughs> I don't have, or two out of four. Um, wonderful. So tell me a little bit, how did this come about? Well, this recognition. Uh, well deserved, I might add. In the office, uh, Annalisa and the rest of the uh, crew, uh, I had happened to mention, oh, you know, by next Thursday, will be my 55th anniversary. Wow. September 12th, 1964 was the first day that I opened the practice, and um, I wasn't planning to open the practice that day. If you're looking for a, a little story. I am. Um, I still had stuff in boxes, and the physician who had the um, practice right next door, jo Dr. Joe Migliori, and a lot of people in Walden remember Dr. Migliori. Um, is this right on Salem Street where you are? Yeah, six, right, same place, yeah. yeah. He um, had a patient that came in and said their son had a bad toothache, 12-year-old son, and could the dentist who's coming in next door see him? So Joe came over to me and said, you know, Phil, you got to see this patient because the family uh, is a large family, and if you do well with this one, you've you got to kickstart your practice. I said, I don't even have things out of the boxes yet. And he said, well, that's all right. You're going to have to see this kid. The kid's name was Michael Jordan, but it wasn't the basketball stuff. Okay. And, uh, and Mike uh, was my first patient on a Saturday morning. I wasn't planning to open on a Saturday morning. Wow. And, uh, but the actual first patient was Friday night. I needed some chemicals, and I went to the local vet. Dr. Polinsky used to be on Salem Street. Oh. And when I was there talking to him, he said, oh, can you help me uh, take a look at something? And I said, sure. He brought out this bulldog. <laughs> and the bulldog had two canines on the top that were digging into the jowls. And the dog couldn't close its mouth. They were all fested and infected. It was having trouble even swallowing water. And um, he said, what do you think? And I said, well... You could try and cut him short, but why? I think you probably ought to remove him. He said, that's what I thought. Could you give me a hand? And I said, all right. And he said, uh, I said, you know, we're going to use ketamine or something, you know, to put him out. Yeah. He said, well, no, the dog is an eight-year-old bulldog with a heart condition. Oh. We can't use the ketamine. I said, well, what did you have in mind? He said, well, I thought I'd hold the dog <laughs> and you'd take out the teeth. And I said to myself, you got the better end of the deal. You've got the tail wagging. I'm going to have the teeth on my end of this deal. I extracted both of those canines on that bulldog oh my with no anesthesia. That's one and tough the dog, bulldog. One, the dog never moved, never barked, never whimpered, just sat there and drooled on my hand while I did those two extractions. And I can tell you, and I've told patients this, to this day, probably the best patient I've ever had in 55 years. What a great story. And, of course, this was a, an, an emergency surgery, right? This dog needed oh, yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, actually, it was about 7 o'clock, September 11th, on Friday night, 
that I actually had my first patient. That was the bulldog. Oh, my God. Have you, and then I you, saw Michael the next morning. <laughs> Not yeah. this Mike. <laughs> did you you didn't tell you didn't tell him that you worked on a dog? No, then. no. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever work on animals uh, after that? Um, Your not, own pets? No, no, not after that. I had worked on them before. I worked oh. in cancer research while I was in dental school um, for about five years. So we worked with mice, with rats, with rabbits. I have worked with a lot of animals. Have you ever had a human that drooled more than the dog? No. <laughs> I haven't had a human that was better than a dog either. Uh, that's a great story. I never heard that after all. Wow. That's wonderful. So as I was saying, you know, I, I mentioned to the, to the staff that Thursday was going to be my anniversary. Mm-hmm. But when I walked in on that Thursday, there was a bucket on the desk with balloons saying congratulations. Uh, and somebody had bought me a bottle of wine. And there was a small bottle of extra virgin olive oil, being an Italian and liking to cook. Sure. So I had that in there. And then they had this big poster on one of the doors saying, congratulations of 55 years. And they had them all over the office. One of the patients that came in that afternoon um, saw this and said, oh, and she started taking pictures of them. And she said, I'm going to have to let the mayor of Malden know about this. Yes. And I think she's the one who contacted Paul. I'm not sure, but I think she's the one who contacted Paul. Yeah. And Next the following you know. week, Lisa said, you've got to come out to the waiting room because you have to see Paul. And I didn't. Paul who? And it was Paul Brodeur, and he had this citation from the House of Representatives. So it was fantastic. That's a nice piece of... Uh yeah, I'm not no, sure what no. I'm going to have to do with it. Now I gave my cameraman the night off, but can this is pretty big? Can you? This is a. Do you see that? Oh. Very snazzy. Yeah. Thanks, James. I, I was, I really was surprised. I I wasn't expecting, you know, anything like that. No. And, uh, so we. That's how. Uh, did you do anything for the fiftieth? Um, for the fiftieth. I think yeah, I think we had we had lunch out, not okay. in. Uh, this time we had lunch in, and but uh, yeah, they they did do some stuff in the office, but this was a little bit over the top, I think. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, that must have make you feel good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I got to ask you, fifty-five years, so many. You know, you you you. It's it's just like my own family. You knew my mother and father, and yeah. you just uh, maybe close to three generations of people that uh, these families must come back to you. Is that how it works? Or oh just, yeah, we've got one family with four generations. Um, the I'm trying to think. The second one down was a classmate of mine at Lincoln Junior High in Malden High School. Wow! And her mother came, and then her daughters came, and now the daughters' children are coming. So it was four generations in that family. And, uh, you know, when you practice that long, um, you do get to see all the generations. There were, at one point, I was, all four of those generations were coming at the same time. They were all, the grandmother was still alive. Um, one of the things that I've, we've tried to do in the office, and I've had as an attitude that my patients become my family and and I think we try and treat the patients that way by you know I, I try not to think in terms of doing anything in your mouth for example that I wouldn't do in my wife's mouth yeah or my daughter's you know right right so, you're not gonna just oh, try a new experiment with this thing because it's <laughs> if uh, I not try family new experiments I try it on my family first <laughs> well, let, let me speak to that, because I, I know firsthand that's true. And first of all, it, it speaks volumes, the loyalty of generations of families and whatnot. That speaks for itself. But I can tell you just this summer, and folks who know me know I have a, a, a high tolerance for pain, for starters. Oh, yeah? High tolerance for pain. And it was Fourth of July weekend, and I, I think, I don't know, the fourth on the Thursday or uh, this week, but it was going into the fourth that earlier that week. I think it was in the middle of the week. Yeah. Middle of the week. And, uh, of course, lots of people are away on vacation. So I cracked a tooth uh, 
that weekend preceding the 4th of July. And I'm like, well, being, you know, high tolerance of pain, I go, I can handle this and wait until, uh, wait until the, uh, the, the good doctor is back who was on vacation because I did contact your, um, your daughter, Annalisa. Yeah. And she said, she said, call him. I go, I'm not, I'm not going to call him. It's fine. Uh, you know, I'll get through. But the next day, it, like more fell off. And it, and, it got, and it got worse. So here, now I'm crying, my high tolerance <laughs> of pain. And Annalise said, call him. She goes, he'll, he'll be more mad if you don't call him. And so here it is, maybe July 2nd. I'm calling you, who was, you were on vacation, and you came back from New Hampshire and opened up the office. And I forget what you did, but you, you gassed me. And, uh, <laughs> no, we you, plugged you, the hole in your head. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you gave me a... a, a uh, I forget what you did. You did a. You held me off for another week. Yeah, where it was we temp- you right. plugged it up. You yeah. temp. You tempt it, and uh, saved me for the rest of the week. Fourth of July week on vacation, comes back for me. That's the kind of man we're talking about. Just want to show you. So all that stuff is true. He does treat his patients like family. Try to. Yes. Uh, but when you see the bill, you think maybe this is a distant cousin. <laughs> Very distant. <laughs> um, so, oh, here's another thing I want to. In 55 years, what has changed? Uh, with oh, the, the, the profession is the profession is, the, the, not, is not the same. No. Um, number one, the technical advances that we've had. Yes. I I have the ability now to offer you for treatment things that 15 years ago, 20 years ago, weren't available, and I wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, I. I wouldn't have been able to give you as many options for how to treat a I certain condition. Right, right. Um, the technology has improved. The um, the materials that we're using have improved so that uh, we now have materials that are tooth-colored that are lasting as well as the older silver fillings or the metal you know, materials that we used to use. Yeah. And cosmetically, so much superior to them the tools really haven't changed have they no basically what some of them have i like with the the newer materials we're using a light to cure it which we never did before uh, but basically the instruments are pretty much the same they just uh as far as the, the technology like the the x-ray machines are far superior than what we no oh, when when i took an X-ray of uh, of say one of your molars when I was in dental school. The exposure to radiation because I'd have to tell you not to move. Yes, was like two to three seconds long. Uh, now we're measuring it hundreds of a second. So it's with the digital. Yes, uh, one X-ray when I was in dental school is more radiation exposure to you than a complete set of x-rays two or three times over. Gotcha. So, you know, that one technology. That's an advancement. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tremendous advance. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Well, I could call, I could talk dentistry all night, but this man is more than just a dentist. (laughs) He is an accomplished singer, and we're here to talk about uh, that aspect of his life uh, that involves actually the bread of life, which you all, or you may or may not know, that I serve on the board of directors for. And he is a part of a men's group called the Boston Sangerfest Men's Chorus. Please tell us about that. Boston Sangerfest Men's Chorus originally uh, started as uh, a get-together of a bunch of guys at Harvard Medical School around 1900. Uh, I was not in the original group. <laughs> I wasn't going to go even though, even though I looked like I might have been. Um, but they basically were guys that had started in medical school. Uh, they had been in like Harvard and Yale and the glee clubs. Yep. They got to medical school and there was n- nothing like that. And they missed the musical aspect that they had of their undergraduate years. So they got together and there was a faculty member who was um, interested as well. So they would meet at this faculty member's house at first. And they would just sit around and sing four-part male music, and probably have their pitches of beer because that that was probably one of the 
uh, motivating factors to, yeah, to sure. meet. And then it developed and grew a little larger. And then, for example, if I was a physician and I was in this group, yes. but I knew you liked to sing, I'd say, hey, Mike, you want to come along with me Thursday night? We're going over to sing over at this guy's house. And we'd sit down and have a meal and sing. And But you weren't a doctor. Up to that point, maybe everybody were doctors yeah, in the group. Yeah. And little by little, other friends came in. When I joined the group, it was in the 80s, and I was invited by a cardiologist uh, from Dr. Robert Soule from Melrose. He was a member. Sure. He was a Harvard graduate. And he invited me to come as, as his guest at a Christmas program. And I've been involved ever since. 1992 was when this singing group, because the group never sang in public. We just met. Just at, for your own? Yeah. And at that time when I joined, we were meeting, meeting at the Speed Club, which is a, uh, one of the Harvard clubs Okay, uh, in Harvard Square. And one of the fellows that was in the group at that time, he and his wife were in Wales on a trip and they happened to see this advertisement for this concert of a thousand voices so they asked about it and got in touch with somebody in London because the London Welsh the men's chorus from London was the sponsoring organization for this concert and he went and heard the concert got to talk to a couple of the guys that were there told them that he belonged to the singing group but we didn't perform in public and they invited, said, well, how would your group like to be representing the United States in 1992? And he came back and asked, and a bunch of us immediately put our hands up. Wow. Oh, yeah. We had never sung in public before. Didn't really know all the Talk about a break. Co commitments for this. Sure. We ended up rehearsing every single Monday for a year. We had to hire a, a director for us. We had to hire an accompanist. Um, we got, I, I think that the original group that went to London was like 47 men that said they'd go. We had 18 to 20 songs that we had to learn, all from memory. You don't use music in this concert. Oh, Eight of the con songs were in Welsh. <laughs> Welsh is a, not an easy language to sing. I think that year we did one in Latin, and I think we did one in German as well. And... Um, all you know, I remember you being a lot more tired when I went to see you in the <laughs> early 90s. Well, it was, you know, it was one of those things that uh, the guys did it for that one time, never expected to keep the group together. The January after the concert, which was in October of uh, 1992, we got together and decided to keep the group going. And we've been going since 1992. We give a lot of concerts like we're doing with Bread of Life as fundraisers for charitable organizations. So just back up a little bit. In the mid-'80s, when you were asked by the cardiologist, yeah. um, what were your aspirations? Did you sing? Did you want to sing? Did I've, you sing in the shower? What was I've, the I've studied uh, voice. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. I, I started dental school in New England Conservatory at the same time in 1958. I, okay. I was a special voice student at New England Conservatory it, so this is a love of yours. This being is, trained yeah. classically, yep. primarily in opera. Wow. And, um, and we, I, I ended up staying with the same teacher for 44 years until he passed away, and I did the eulogy at his funeral. Um, and Bernie Babo uh, was my teacher, and extremely well-trained technical vocal instructor. And so I've... I've always had music in in the family. I, I think it comes with the uh, with the the, G, the Italian genes. Sure. <laughs> you know, we always listened to the opera yep. at home. Uh, my mother played piano, so that meant my brother and I had to take piano lessons. Uh, Who were you a fan of? Uh, Pavarotti. Well, well, Pavarotti yeah. won, but it's funny. Probably my number one tenor that I would choose was a Swede, UC Bierling. Okay, and it's an interesting story. When Pavarotti was getting ready to uh, record his Nessun Dorma, which is almost his signature aria that he always did at concerts, he listened 
to a bunch of other recordings and said, if mine's as good as UC Burling's, I'll be very happy. Wow. So, uh, but My dad was a huge fan of Pavarotti. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 No, he, uh, there's no yeah. question. He had a very unique uh, voice, you know, not a... It, there are individuals who come along like Caruso uh, that not only have great voices, but have a public appeal. I yeah. mean, Caruso brought opera to the public, like pa and Pavarotti did exactly the same thing. There are people who have heard Pavarotti sing that never stepped into an opera house, but they will they will sit and listen to him. Right, he crossed over. Yeah, it's, it's a crossover yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, Wow, good stuff. Um, and so now since early 90s, this has been... I went to the website, and I encourage everybody to go, uh, which is www.sangerfest.org. So much stuff going on. Um, as you alluded to, they will be doing a benefit for the Bread of Life um, October 30th. Right, the day before Halloween. The day before Halloween. Yeah, on a Wednesday night, and it's uh, at 7 o'clock. Yes. And we're going to be doing a joint concert with the uh, the men who are f flying in from Bath, England. There's an men's chorus from Bath, England. Yep. And uh, at the First United First yeah, yeah. United Methodist Church. Methodist Church. Yep. 645 Main Street in Melrose. Uh, let me just get this out there. Go to the Bread of Life, uh, www.breadoflifemalden.org, and find out all the information. We got it here. I can't blow it up for you, but the tickets are $20. There's sponsorship. Uh, opportunities available. Yeah, and two, the other thing was um, the concert starts at 7 o'clock, but mm -hmm. um, it, on the ticket it will tell you on that um, there's a 6 o'clock reception for those who want to come earlier. Bread of Life is going to be uh, giving them, I guess, some refreshments. Sure. And you will have the opportunity to meet the two conductors, uh, one from Bath, England, and ours from uh, from Sangerfest, uh, during that reception period. Yeah, so this is a this is a huge night. It's going to be a great night um, right here in, in right here right uh, next door in Melrose. Yeah, in Melrose. Um, and uh, all the information is out there. In fact, we we have a clip I want to show you. Not just yet, but I wanted to. Um, uh, you just came off a performance this past weekend, correct? Yeah, we performed in Westwood. Uh, they have. Um, like Melrose has uh, the Victorian Fair and yes. Arlington had a, a town day. Yes. Westwood had uh, a town day. Like, and we uh, performed. They had two stages in Westwood. There was an A stage and a B stage. It was hot this past weekend, right? Huh? Was that Saturday? It was a hot no, it was a hot, muggy. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we were, the A stage had a covering. The B stage was open. Yeah. We were on B stage. <laughs> so we were in the sun, oh, open. Yeah. But we opened the uh, the B stage oh, fantastic. at 10.30 in the morning, and we performed for about a half hour. It went very well. Uh, it's not as easy as performing inside a venue when you're outside on a on basically a, a raised board. Yes. And uh, the the sound. The acoustics are oh, different. Oh, yeah. Different it, it's just much more difficult yeah. to perform that way. Um, I'm sure your brother, Gary, knows yeah. the difference between inside and outside because you don't get a lot of the feedback unless right. you've got monitors. Yeah, but you're it. dealing with, uh, how many are in the, the group? Well, the, we've the got, voices, uh, I mean, we had about 30, 30, 35 guys that sang Saturday morning. Now, is that is that a full? No, we, we can probably get up to about 50, 55, depending upon, you know, who's who's available and whatever the venue is, we'll probably have somewhere in the range of 40 to 50 singers for, for the Melrose program, along with about, four, as far as I know, about 40 singers from Bath, England. Yeah, um, so I, I went on the website and I grabbed this clip, which was from earlier this year. It's Sanders Theater. Yeah. Could you speak a it, little bit to that, San and we'll lead Jim yeah. right into the... the uh, yeah, the Sanders Theater program, we, uh, we've sung... Uh, a number of times we've called it boys to men because um, we we have some high school groups that we sing with yep. and college groups. Yes. And then we're the, we're the old guys uh, <laughs> at the tail end. Um, but we've sung with um, Morehouse. Wow. We've sung with the Whiff and Poofs from Yale. 
this clip is with the uh, Cornell Glee, Men's Glee Club. Right. And uh, next spring, we'll be singing with the um, the Harvard Men's Glee Club. Wow. Yeah. All right, James, why don't you uh, run that clip? This is from earlier this year. Okay, we're back. There you have it. A uh, clip of the Boston Sangerfest men's chorus sing along with the Cornell... Cornell Men's Glee Club. Men's we, Glee Club. Glee, I'm pretty sure that was the Beeble's Ave Maria Beautiful that we piece. were doing. Yeah. Beautiful piece. This was, uh, that was uh, for performance back earlier this year, January 5th, 2019 at Sanders Theater. Where is Sanders Theater? In Harvard Square. Oh, okay. Um, if you're familiar with the Revels, the Christmas Revels, yes. they perform at oh. Sanders Theater also. Very nice. Um, so that's a little taste of that. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, the, the dynamics of the vocals, could you speak to that? You're a tenor, correct? Yeah. And how does that work as a group? What the, uh, the group covers basically in, in, in four-part male music. Wow. We have tenor one, tenor two, baritone and bass. And that's going to the highest voice down to the lowest. 
and we probably cover somewhere in the range of three to three and a half octaves uh, in within the group. Um, if we're singing a certain section that might have um, the tenors in, a, in an upper falsetto voice instead of the normal full voice, that could go probably into four octaves. Wow! So it's a, it's That's a pretty incredible. wide range. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that the sound there was. Oh yeah, better than and, outside. And si and singing with the group like the Cornell group is is a pleasure for us. Uh, we uh, we really enjoy the performance with the younger uh, singers N for a couple of reasons. Number one, it sort of brings back memories of when you were in high school or college and singing. But the other thing is that it, it I think lets them know that this is something you can do for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, we, the, nice. one of the oldest guys who's in the bass section. <laughs> yeah, look is at them. 90, They're still is, doing it. Is ninety three. <laughs> that's he. He that's was great. a fighter pilot. Fighter pilot in oh. the Second World War. Oh my God! God bless him. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, that's true. They're yeah. looking at it like, yeah, this doesn't have to be a. a you know, this can be. Oh yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's some. It's something that you can do, uh, and it's good for your health. I don't know if you've ever heard, and uh, the fact that. When we rehearse yes. in, in a choral group like this, the natural endorphins in the brain are 120% of normal. So you're getting that 20% higher than the normal. If, you, if your endorphins were at 100%, yes. you're getting 20% more than that just from singing. Those good natural endorphins your brain is producing. When we perform, Incredible. like you just saw, those endorphins go up as as high as maybe 160% of normal. So singing is good for your health. Well, well let me ask you though, is that is that any singing? Is it can you, do you have to be a classically trained singer? No, not like, classically trained. Someone who trained. sings down at the local bar of karaoke, is he getting that endorphin? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not sure. They oh. were talking about singing in in groups, okay. you know, choral groups as such. Uh, and I think uh, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it's not only enjoyable, something you can do your whole life long, but you're getting a medical benefit out of it. I mean, you, you can't beat that. No. Um, the other thing I noticed on, on the website when I was there, is there, is there constantly auditions for your group? Not constantly, uh, not, no. Well, the, usually when we start after Labor Day, yeah. the first three or four rehearsals are open rehearsals. Okay, that's what uh, I saw, correct. So that, you know, if you wanted to come and sing, just to get a flavor of what it's like and get an idea of what the commitment would be because you're going to be meeting every Monday night for rehearsals. And, and you just rehearsed a couple nights ago, correct? You're still doing yeah, Monday, Monday night. Yeah, Monday night, yeah. Huh? And not only the commitment of coming to the rehearsals, but memorizing the music because yeah. we perform without music almost all the time. Every now and then we've performed and we've had music for a specific piece. Might have been either because we're performing it with somebody else and the complications of the piece lent itself that uh, we had to have the music. But a lot of times when, if you've seen us, in, if we had a clip of a men to boys with, with, with the high school groups. Yeah. A lot of times, we're the only ones on stage without music. The younger kids and the college kids, although m groups like Cornell, Cornell and the Morehouse and Whiff and Poos, they, they, no, they don't have music. Yeah. But a lot of the high school groups still use music. Now, let me ask you, uh, not to put you on the spot, but once in a while we've talked. By the way, he's supported my community theater as well, this my yeah, when's your next dentist. show, as a matter of fact? Uh, it's none scheduled, but I hope oh, to be okay. auditioning soon. Oh, but um, but one of the things we talked about, I always talked about with you, is when you forget lines or, or things oh, like yeah. that. But do you have experiences like that with having to memorize the music? Oh, yeah. There are yeah. times when um, we were doing, I, I was, we had a classical quartet. And so it's much more vulnerable than when in a group of 30 or 40 guys. Yeah, and there's only four of you, and each one of you in one pot. So, I mean, right. there's, there's no, no, place, no place to hide. Yeah, exactly. And we were doing a concert at the Malden Library. And uh, I was doing a piece called Aprile by Paolo Tosti. And I, it's translated April. 
and we were doing a spring concert, and, and so I thought it was apropos piece. Yeah. And I got through the first verse, no sweat, started the second verse, and for some reason clicked back into the first <laughs> verse. The only problem was it wasn't a matter of just repeating the first verse. But you would have by with that. The second verse music was different than the first verse music. Oh. And so now I was making up Italian words to fit in so to fit in the holes that and That's trying to get back to the second verse and my accompanist Jim Roth as he's playing was looking up at me with the like <laughs> like where are we going to end up on this one which we you know I got back to the second verse and we finished the piece but now you're making up words you kept it clean I hope because it could have Oh yeah. <laughs> Unless you understood Italian. No, but no, there was no problem with that. But wow. I think, I think the thing in performing, and you know this on stage, um, you just keep going. Yeah. And most of the time, the audience hasn't got a clue That's right. that there was a glitch. That's right. It's if you keep going. If you if don't. You start it, yeah. tripping up, yeah. looking for something. Yeah. yeah. Great audience. Like most of this show, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's true. Uh, good stuff. Okay, so let's uh, plug this thing again. It is October 30th, uh, 7 p.m. Again, you could go at 6 p.m. for a little reception. Yeah. Uh, over at First United Methodist Church in 645 Main Street in Melrose. You can get tickets at the Bread of Life website. Please Google us, Bread of Life Malden. You'll find everything there. Uh, $20, right? $20. I know you've been and, trying to get and, this and 20 I've, out of me And all I've, night. Got, um, I've got tickets at the office also besides, oh. you know, Bread Do of Life. Do I have life. an appointment coming up? <laughs> oh, we'll have your money. <laughs> uh, no, that's gonna be that's gonna be a great night. Now, have you done uh, a fundraiser with us before? Uh, yeah, with oh, Bread yeah. Of Life in Malden. In Malden, yeah, we've Saint done Paul's. we've done a few. At, in, uh, Saint Paul's was one. Yes, but First Baptist, we've done a couple oh, at First Baptist. Beautiful church, um, yeah. The and Paul Sullivan, yes, a uh, Sullivan Tire, Sullivan Tire, um, who was on the board at Triangle. Um, sponsored a uh, concert for Triangle and then sponsored one at, at St. Paul's. But at First Baptist in Malden, we did a couple for Bread of Life also, yeah. That's right. And uh, and you just mentioned Triangle, which is uh, another wonderful part of your illustrious career, um, which I I knew you as, of course, going back as, as a child and, and my family coming to you um, for all their dentistry needs, but I worked at Triangle for many, many years, and you, of course, were an organization in Malden that uh, serves the developmental yeah. uh, dis people with developmental disabilities, and uh, you were one of the founders at, at the very beginning. I, yeah, I was, I was considered the founding father. Um, I was president of the board for the first 15 years. I set up the board of directors, and I tried to get uh, individuals that would have uh, some interest in that kind of uh, structure, but also uh, would help Triangle w when necessary. Mel Gregory, who is well-known in Triangle, sure. was representing the Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And we figured we'd be having to work with the businesses in the city, so we needed somebody on the Chamber. We had uh, Fred Downing. Fred Downing was a vice president at Malden Cooperative Bank, yep. where they were the ones who held the mortgage to the original triangle, which was the old church, uh, congregational church in Linden Square. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the Malden JCs bought the property and started the, uh, the building. We fixed it up, got it ready, and we opened uh, with five uh, individuals yeah. and one paid employee. Was in that May, at the in May of 1970 on Lawrence Street, yes, where the house is. Right, that was the church. That's right, where the house was. Yeah. They burned down when we had moved to um, Commercial Street, 222 Commercial, and uh, but it was it was one of those things that had been needed in the city. Yeah, uh, Harry Abelson, who was a member of the Liquor Commission in Malden, and had talked about having he had had a son that was infernaled. And he knew the needs of uh, individuals who needed something other than housing. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to have the ability to do some work, work yeah. have some, uh, some self-worth uh, 
and that's extremely important for everyone, Absolutely. no matter who you are. And he talked about it for about 25 years in the city, and it just never get off the ground. I happened to be getting, as a member of the Malden JCs, I was getting information about these two organizations. One was the League for Exceptional Children, and one was the Coordinating Committee for the Retarded, which was a, a group of 17 organizations in Malden that were raising money to try and get something going. Yeah. And I kept pitching, I, you know, I kept getting these things in the mail, and I, I don't need another night out, and I kept throwing them away. Yeah. In March of, I guess it was 1970, I said, well, let me go find out what these people want. And then I can ask them to take me off their mailing list. I mean, that, that was, <laughs> that my, was your intent. That was right? my intent. Uh, I went and I heard what they were doing and what they needed. They needed a facility and they needed the money to start this program. They wanted a sheltered workshop. And I came back to the JC meeting and I made my report. The same time, a fellow named Larry DiGiamarino, who's from Malden, yeah. uh, Larry came in and said, I just found out there's a church in Linden that's up for sale. Maybe we could buy it and do something with it. So we put the two things together and said, why don't we, if it, the workshop needed a facility, the church, ideal, and we had the parsonage that goes with it. We can rent the parsonage, which would pay the mortgage because oh, we didn't have any money. Right. And we had like 500 bucks in the bank. We went down to the Malden Cooperative Bank, to Ed Marston, and we said, we want to buy this property. We don't have any money to give you f for a down payment, and we want you to give us 110% mortgage because we need money to fix the place up. Now, I'm waiting for yes. Mr. Marston to throw me out the door. Yeah. And he said, okay. And Divine intervention. You know, How else? And that's why I, we'd get one of the vice presidents on the bank, on the board, in case we couldn't make the mortgage payments. <laughs> Some, <laughs> hey, wanted, strategic. You know, we, but we, that's how we set the first yeah. board up, to get but the right people. In, and we had seven members on the first board. And, uh, but those early and then years. It, oh, yeah, with fi five, yeah. five people yeah. only. And now I think Triangle is uh, servicing three to 4,000 a year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. I can't get rid of you. Well, there's the triangle, the bread of life. What's going on here? Well, am I following you or? You I, I think I think part of the uh, issue for me was the fact that um, I think my my feeling always has been that if you're in a community, you have to give back to the community. You don't just take out of the community, but you got to give back. And um, I think that's. And that's why Big you were there, my life. 55 years yeah. in, in the same spot and, and recently recognized. But I, you know, I think, uh, and, and I've seen from your own, you know, you've been involved. I mean, I'm sure you could have looked for jobs where they were going to pay you a lot more than places like Triangle or Bread of Life. But you, I don't think you've looked at, for a job. Yeah, that, that wasn't wanna... your motivating factor no. of, of the work that you were doing. And, and I, I don't think it should be. I think service to others um, is, is what the motivating factor. Matter of fact, at our church, Maplewood Baptist Church, one of our members, John Woodman, when we had our 125th anniversary, serving together in love to, to glorify God was the motto that we use for our 125th anniversary. That's but serving it together in it, I think that's what makes a community. Absolutely, and uh, and you're still doing it. Yep. Right. Yep. October 30th is the next big night, or is there something in between? Not that I'm aware Just of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to check with my wife and see. Uh, what's on the horizon for the group? Uh, the, the, there are things we, we've got. Uh, we've got a Christmas concert. Oh right, coming that's up an annual uh, thing, in, in December. And we're going to be, it's an Appalachian, 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 whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Yes. A Christmas. And we're going to be doing, um, the group that's going to be accompanying us is the Southern Rail. They're a bluegrass group. And uh, I it think it, it should be a real good take. 
so anybody that comes to the one in October, uh, I think we'll then look forward to coming again in December because it'd be a totally different uh, uh, t feeling to it. The and different pieces? Oh, yeah, totally yeah. different. Yeah. It'd be all Christmas pieces. Right. And then uh, Southern Rail is an outstanding bluegrass group. They perform all over Massachusetts, New Hampshire. Um, they're an extremely outstanding musical uh, operation. They, uh, they have four people in the, in the group and uh, three guys and a woman. <coughs> who, and it's interesting. The woman is the, the smallest person. She plays the largest instrument, the bass fiddle. And the biggest guy in the group plays the smallest one of the little mandolin. So it's, you'd think that, you know, the small person oh, yeah, would yeah, have the small yeah. instrument, but no, it's just the opposite. But they are musically outstanding. So that's on the horizon. That keeps it all fresh for you. It's not oh, the yeah. same show every time. Oh, no. Right? No. We're constantly changing. Our director, Tom Berriman, uh, is constantly bringing new stuff in. We've got... Uh, Oh, I'd say in the last few years, probably half a dozen pieces that we have um, asked people to write specifically for us. We've commissioned them. Wonderful. Yeah. And the group that you're performing with that night, England City of Bath Male Choir. Yeah. They are, have you performed with them before? No. Okay. Um, the only place that we could have performed with them would have been in that lodge. Uh, when we sing in London yes. at Royal Albert Hall, Wow, it's a it's a chorus of a thousand voices, and so there are, the Bath group could could be there. Um, we many times represent the United States. Um, there's uh, usually groups from Canada. We've had groups from Hong Kong, Slovakia, unbelievable, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Uh, it's it's just a fantastic feeling to be singing with that larger group. And the, the auditorium, the hall, Royal Albert Hall, is just, I mean, it's, it's an internationally known venue. Oh, absolutely. Venue. You have an unbelievably fantastic, interesting life that makes me feel like I should leave Malden once in a while. Oh, no, no, <laughs> as, long as, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so we've got a few minutes left but I wanted to bring up this one story that you, you, you mentioned to me earlier and you've told me about before and I know you're you, I'm not saying this coyly you are modest and a humble man but one time you did get press and they, and they, they, they messed it up in the, in the newspaper oh. what was that all about? We, one of the uh, concerts we were doing in uh, I'm not I think it was in Melrose at uh, Memorial Hall and um, they came to my office from the uh, one of the newspapers and they interviewed me and they took a couple of pictures and then uh, they published it uh, like the week before the concert. And I happened to meet this woman in downtown Melrose and she said, oh, congratulations. I just, you know, I just saw in the newspaper, you know, about the sinning dentist. And I said, what, what? <laughs> and she, I love what, the story. what they had done was there was a print era. They switched the G to the N. So instead of the singing dentist, I was the sinning dentist. And I said, you know, they found out a lot more about me in that interview than I thought they had. <laughs> it was more revealing than you. <laughs> than I had planned on that yeah. was for sure. That is funny. Now, do you have? Do you still have that article? Still? I don't know if I have it. It might probably have it floating around somewhere in the house. My God, if you're going to mess up a letter. <laughs> could have been worse, I guess. I guess it could have. Um, all right. Well, this has been uh, uh, so much fun having you on. Uh, you back to work this week? Yeah. I came from work. Uh, I left work about uh, two hours ago. Yeah. And um, I'll be there at 8 o'clock. Uh, no, yeah, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, back at it. Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, it's what I do. It's what I enjoy doing. And uh, I guess as long as uh, I still enjoy it and the good Lord keeps me healthy, then I guess I'll keep doing it. 
I hope you do. And uh, I got to ask you that st- you've been at the same structure, same same six, same six thirty-five. Is yeah. It? The only difference was when Dr. McLeary finally retired in nineteen eighty-four. Uh, his area, I took over his area of the of was, the office as well. I was going to well. ask you. I remember as a kid. I remember there was. I had we you had came a different in on entrance, the side. a side entrance, yeah. and you used to have the blocks there for the kids. And, oh yeah, uh, remember that? But we still have the blocks. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I enjoy them in, still. You and you came in the side entrance, right? And the waiting room and the front office were all one. That's right. Yeah, there yeah. was no separation. Right. Uh, where does that door go to now? That's a, it goes into the side room that we have, where we have uh, oh, okay. one of the new pieces of equipment. Uh, it's a, a special uh, X-ray component that um, takes what we call Panorex, or it's a, it's a full upper and lower jaw shot, but also uh, can take what we call a cone beam CAT scan. So that it gives us the visualization as though I'm inside your head looking out. Wow! wow. Get, we get yeah. a 3D. It's much different than the blocks I used to play with. <laughs> um, okay, folks, we got a few minutes left. Let me plug this great show that's to benefit the bread of life, which uh, feeds the body and nurtures the soul. This is October 30th, which is a Wednesday night, the night before Halloween. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Uh, the concert, I believe, starts at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. To 8.30, and uh, it's at the First United Methodist Church, 645 Main Street in Melrose. There is reception at 6 o'clock. Right. Uh, after the show, Dr. Conti will be signing autographs. Oh, yes, that, definitely. <laughs> the, the, and there's on-street parking, but also oh, yeah, across the street behind Memorial Hall and the firehouse and the city hall is a municipal parking uh, as well. So the, the parking situation for the concert should be good. Oh, yeah. And um, weather, I hope, is good too, right? You never know what you're going to get. 70? That's, or that's out of my hands. That's out of your, that's in the, it's the in big the guy upstairs. Hands. Right. I'm not talking about Ron Cox. I mean <laughs> the big guy. Um, so that's that's next month. We're looking forward to that show. Hey, see, you could have you could have been over watching the mayoral forum tonight. But those of you lucky who stayed true and loyal, which is what this show is all about, got to meet uh, this man I admire so much, uh, Dr. Philip Conti. Um any last word? Not last words, but for the evening. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> You'd like to say, I know, uh, 55 years in Malden. That I, just speaks for itself. I, I've, I've been blessed with the opportunity to, uh, to serve Malden and, and the patients that have come from surrounding communities as well. Um, for these 55 years, it's been a blessing to me. Uh, the individuals that I've met, uh, the number of my patients who are now, uh, as I said, family members, friends, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. I, I have been invited to, to weddings, to funerals, to uh, other family functions for these patients, and uh, I think it's been my life. Uh, uh, I've enjoyed it, and I can't picture myself doing anything else my wife periodically she uh, could picture she she would like to have had me retire 20 years ago but she's been she's been gracious enough to give me up there you go yeah the world needs more men like dr (laughs) con dr con it's been a great pleasure thank you so much i have so much respect and uh admiration for you for all you've done and continue to do looking forward to this concert And thank you so much for coming. Thanks on. for having me. It's been a great hour. I didn't, didn't even realize the hour had gone by. It's, it's gone by. And I leave you folks, as I usually do, with a quote. And it's in honor of my friend here tonight who's done so much for this subject. I leave you with St. Mother Teresa who said, Peace begins with a smile. God bless. Good night. See you next month.